my friends of Christ, it's not Catholic custom to give a title to a homily and then post it on a reader board. But if it were, I would probably call this one, do the Gospels make sense? And my answer to that question would be, maybe not so much. And if that sounds a little irreverent, let me remind you for starters of the Christmas story. From the Annunciation to the birth in Bethlehem, how much sense does that story make? Or how about the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who suffer persecution. Do the Beatitudes really make sense? Or how about the 12 apostles? Unlettered and unimpressive as they were, how much sense do the apostles make? And then there are some of the parables of Jesus, the prodigal son, for instance, or the 11th hour vineyard workers. Do those parables make sense? Or how about the crucifixion? St. Paul dares to call it the folly of the cross. I think you get my point. There is something about the Christian gospel, the Christian story, that defies the rules of logic and runs counter to all accepted human wisdom. Today's gospel is a good case in point. It contains the wonderfully spontaneous prayer that gives us a window on to how Jesus prayed, how he talked to his Father. We hear him praising God for hiding the great mysteries from the very ones who ought to be able to understand them the best, the learned and the clever of this world, and instead of revealing them to mere children. Does that make much sense? Only if you abandon the normal rules of logic, human logic, and buy into what I like to call gospel logic. In gospel logic, God does strange things. God uses the little ones of this world to confound the great, the weak to put down the strong, the foolish to put to shame the wise. Only in that context can we ever hope to make sense of things like God becoming human and being born in, in poverty, or of the dead and defeated Jesus rising from the dead, or all the things that happened in between. All this comes home to me in a striking and a very personal way whenever I celebrate Mass with the L'Arche community over on Capitol Hill. Many of you, I think, know about L'Arche. It's today's gospel in flesh and blood. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, to you I offer praise. For what you have hidden from the learned and the clever of this world, you have revealed to the merest children. L'Arche. It's French for Ark, is a wonderful movement that welcomes the merest children of this world, most of them with developmental disabilities, into loving familial communities. L'Arche believes that each of these little ones is sent by God to teach and to heal, to comfort and to challenge the rest of us. Celebrating Mass with the L'Arche community is, shall we say, in marked contrast to celebrating Mass in St. James Cathedral, that's an understatement. 
it is, shall we say, a tad less formal than cathedral solemn liturgies. Mike and celebrants at L'Arche are likely to have Down syndrome, or to be severely deaf, or to be living with other developmental disabilities. Often they sit next to me on the couch, and always, always, they pray with the joy and an intensity that can take my breath away. And I venture to say that they understand things about God and God's love and God's mercy that I will never understand. And not only do they understand, they teach. They teach me, they teach everyone present how to sing and laugh, how to celebrate, how to bask in God's love. No theological treatise I've ever pondered, no tome I've ever read or studied has taught me the deep things of God that I learned just from being with and praying with the members of the large community. I began by saying, by speaking rather of gospel logic. It's a logic that Jesus espoused and preached and lived, but it has its roots in the Jewish scriptures, as is evident from today's reading from the prophet Zechariah. The reading paints a strangely incongruous scene, a victorious king who is not a warrior, but a messenger of peace. He is a humble figure with none of the trappings of royalty. He comes among his people, not in the usual manner, sitting astride a, a charger, surrounded by troops and weapons of war. No, he comes in utter meekness, riding on the back of a lowly beast of burden. The church has always read that passage from Zechariah in light of Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and rightly so. But you know, that story does not end there. It doesn't end with Palm Sunday. That's only the beginning. It runs down through the ages. Whenever God raises up a gentle apostle of nonviolence, a prophet of peace, to challenge the world's powerful and to call the world back to gospel logic. I think, for instance, of saints like Martin of Tours, who, when he became a Christian, could no longer in conscience serve in the military. Or I think of countercultural saints like St. Francis of Assisi, who I think has become far too domesticated. St. Francis was a radical if ever there was one. And that's true, too, of people like Dr. Martin Luther King, Dorothy Day, Archbishop Oscar Romero, and of course, of our own Archbishop Raymond Hunthausen. When you put people like these and my friends over at the Lars community up against the great powers and the great power brokers of this world, you come up with a very strange picture indeed but no stranger than the helpless child of Bethlehem's manger or that vulnerable figure, arms outstretched on Calvary's cross. All are part of the upside down logic of this faith of ours, the mysterious wisdom which God withholds from the learned and the clever and reveals to mere children. My friends, we go now to the table of the Eucharist, the table to which Jesus bids us come. 
and we will find nourishment here. Even if we can only receive spiritually today, we will find nourishment. But only if we abandon our pretenses, drop our facades, and approach the table as children.